and welcome to Neither the Time Nor the Space, a podcast about Doctor Who. My name is David, and as always, I am joined by the spooktacular Matt. Hello there. How are you doing this week, Matt, then? Yeah, I can't complain. I've had a lovely week off work. What about you? Um... Yeah, it's been all right. It's been all right. I mean, unlike you, I'm, I've been at work this week. But benefit of it being half term week and with my job being, as I've said before, schools adjacent, uh, it minimizes the amount of phone calls I have to deal with. Yeah. So um, any interaction with the general public, if you can keep that to a minimum. Oh, yeah. Good. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about trying to minimize that, which is easier said than done sometimes in my job. But um. But anyway, yeah, so what have you been uh, making the most of your week off? Yeah, I went for a lovely walk around Brimham Rocks. Oh, I love Brimham Rocks. Yeah. So, like, uh, for, after... the, for, for the listeners who aren't aware, load of big weird rocks. That's pretty much it. Um, <laughs> I did put a picture up on our Twitter because it was also Random Act of Kindness Day this week. Was it? And I kind of forgot, so I was just like, here's a nice picture of some rocks to cheer you up. Hmm. Famously, the uh, the uh, location f- uh, for Roger and the Rotten Trolls. I don't know if that brings yeah. oh, back any yes. memories. Every time I go, I, I bring that fact up. Because my wife's a little bit younger than I am. She just mm. didn't really get it. I was, <laughs> I was like, do you think we'll see a Rotten Troll? And she was like, um, I, I don't know, we might. And she sort mm. of smiled politely in that way she does. <laughs> you know. That look of regret for our wedding day on her face. <laughs> uh, indeed. Um, well, yes, very nice. Um, I should, suppose we should mention uh, this week we are nominally talking about uh, uh, Before the Flood, mm-hmm. the second part of this two-part story. Um, mm-hmm. Funny to think, we, you know, we're four episodes into Series 9, but we've only had two stories so far. Yeah. Did, did you say there's a lot of two-parters this series? Yes, there are. There are yeah. quite a few. Um, it's uh, it, it, How are you finding that structure so far? Of uh... um, Well, I don't know, because I don't, I don't know whether I'd call this a conventional two-parter. You know, although it is the resolution of the story, it's really disjointed isn't it yeah it definitely feels different and i think that's that's generally the best way to go no no i I think generally that's the best way to go about doing a two-parter with new who is um try and shift the location a bit in some way or introduce some new elements rather than it just being same people same place and just the conclusion to whatever was set up the previous week. Um, though obviously it does need to do that as well. Um, yeah, uh, but we'll talk about that in more depth in, in due course. Um, I'm assuming you don't want to launch straight into it. I'm assuming you've got other uh, items I mean, uh, on the The good agenda. news is, well, the good news for you, I, I haven't <laughs> written anything down this week. Ooh, like wow. last week, I had loads of points I wanted to talk about. Mm. Um and this week, because I've been off work, I've just sort of taken my foot off the gas a bit and been a bit lazy and <laughs> just haven't written anything down. So, well, so what, anything... what I will say is people are not happy that I did not do a music review last week. Oh, are they not? No. 
people calling you out for, for, for being the cowardly, cowardly custard you are. Well, it's not cowardly. Uh, they were just like, oh. I mean, it was a bit. It's not. <laughs> All that would happen is I would say, oh, I don't really care for this. Then you'd shout at me. So people can just imagine that in their own minds. I wouldn't shout at you. I would just try and one, calmly, one of the reasons. Underst- uh, uh, just calmly and patiently explain exactly why you're wrong. One of the you reasons to... I chose not to do it, it, it was because when I listened back a couple of weeks ago, yeah. I, was, I was like, oh, I've never heard of them. And you just went, what do you mean you've never heard of King fucking Crimson? And I was like, right, well, <laughs> um, I think. I think I'm not going to do this. It's just, they are an incredibly famous and influential band. Ah, they're not that it's... famous. Who's more famous, them or the Spice Girls? I mean, probably the Spice Girls. There you go, so we can me. agree. If we're, go, if we're using fame as our ranking, like you've just tried to, then uh-huh. the, Spi- the Spice Girls are better. That's not what I was trying to do, Matt. You're putting well, words in my mouth there. Well, look where it's led us, David. <laughs> So, what's your favourite Spice Girls song? Um, I I guess the uh, the Zigga Zigar one. That, oh, that, that's be. the one that I that's the one that I actually can like recognise and, and immediately as soon as I hear it, like ah, that's the Spice Girls. I think if you played me any of the uh, any of their other hits, I might be able to hazard a guess that it's the Spice Girls, but I wouldn't recognise it as such. Yeah, Spice Up Your Life. What a song. Yeah, I have no idea what that sounds like. I mean, like the Spice Girls, presumably, but... Uh, well, that could be your homework this week. I, I think we need to call time on the whole music homework thing. Oh, I, I was, like, I was I hoping like, I could trick you into it again, and then when you try and do it to me, I'll be like, no, no I'm not doing it. I feel it. like I'm owed, Matt. I, I've, I held up my end of the bargain. And, uh, and you chickened out, so... Um, I was too busy you know. watching Doctor Who. <laughs> Do you know uh, what's special about today in terms of Doctor Who? Uh, no, I don't, to be honest. Uh, well, thankfully you've got me, the big Doctor Who fan, mm-hmm. to tell you today is the 40th anniversary of the first appearance of The Master. Wow. Oh, I knew that was coming up soon. I didn't know exactly when. <coughs> I mean, you, you, you claim you're the bigger Doctor Who fan. Uh, it's, you're on Twitter more than me. Is what this comes down to. Have, so you see a have lot. Have you more listened stuff. to a Doctor Who podcast today? Uh, not today. I no, did I have. So there this we go. Week. Bigger fan. <laughs> Which podcast did you listen to? Then uh, I listened to the Married to Who Brothers to Who, looking at Stephen and Dodo because they're two characters I'm unfamiliar with. Oh yes, of course. Yeah. Which did, did what? Did they do? <sighs> I don't they know, did Stephen and Dodo. They did the Gunslingers, they... right? Yeah, and I can't remember the other two. It'll come to me. Uh, was one of them the Time Meddler? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I really want to do the Time Meddler with you at some point. I think you'd have a good time with that one. Yeah, we could. Oh, I've accidentally clicked play on it. Oh no! <laughs> I was going to see if I could get the pod details up. Uh, they did the Meddler, the Ark, and the Gunfighters. Oh yeah, the arc. I quite like the arc as well. Um, I don't know. That's one of those ones where I don't know what the received fan wisdom is on it. But actually, similar to what we were saying earlier, the arc is interesting. It's a four-parter, so it runs about the same length as a modern two-parter. 
and it has a very definite like first half second half the first two episodes are set in a certain time period and then the second two episodes are set are set basically in the same setting but hundreds or thousands of years later and it has a very different feel if that makes sense mm-hmm. um it's a really interesting one the arc i quite like it um oh you're making me want to watch a load of 60s who now uh, <laughs> no, no, um no. But yeah, I'll tell you which uh, the one that stood out for me this week is uh, in terms of Doctor Who podcasts is uh, the recently launched uh, companion piece. Yeah, I gave that a listen as well. Yeah, Um, it's uh, such an interesting premise, like looking at the entirety of Doctor Who, like through the lens of the companion as an archetype. And, and and specific examples thereof, you know, and the 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 introductory episode, they're talking a lot about, you know, what makes a good companion. That's obviously very open to debate. How where do you draw the line on who a companion is? <laughs> um, does the brigadier count, for instance? You know, those kinds of questions. Um, and I'm very excited to to hear where they go from there, sort of drilling down into specific ones. And they've teased that they might be doing some big finish. Mm. Uh, companions as well which would be great because there is there is not enough discussions out there about uh the likes of uh charlie and uh oh why am i blanking on her name um sixth doctor companion um i can tell you the actor's name uh, maggie stables but I'm, I'm blanking on the name of her character I want to say it's like Constance or something, but it's not. Um, but um, yeah, so it, it would be cool. Do you mean to, to Evelyn hear. Smythe? Uh, that's the one, Evelyn Smythe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, she, she's she is a fantastic, very different kind of companion because she's an she's a an older lady, and she just has no time for the Sixth Doctor's bullshit. Um, so I think you'd actually really get on with with her. Uh, some of those stories. Why? Um, why don't you put yourself forward to like guest on their show when it comes to that? Oh, I don't know. Um, I I I really worry about. I, I I'm quite happy in my little bubble in this podcast where I can sound like a well-informed Doctor Who fan compared to you. Yeah, but what if it's but, like uh... instead of me, it's like your kind. You know. I just worry I'd be out of my depth. <laughs> no, no. Um, the public love you. Uh, that's not true. Uh, but anyway, um, so yeah, that's well worth a listening uh, to, to any of our listeners who, who uh, have a gap in their schedule for another Doctor Who podcast. I think it's going to be a really promising and, as I say, a, a really interesting premise to kind of focus not on the Doctor, but on those characters around them. Um, and and kind of what that can tell us about about the show, um. So yeah, do give that a listen. Um, I'm trying to think if I've got anything else to talk to you about do, this week, Nash. Do you have any non Doctor Who highlights of the week? Uh, I mean, not really. It's been quite a dull week for me, to be honest. Uh, I will say, last night me and my wife sat down and watched a film on Netflix called Last Breath. If you mm. if you've got a spare evening, check that out. I really liked it. What's the premise? Uh, it's based on real life events where right. 
deep sea divers are like mending this station or something mm-hmm. and basically become cut off from their boat and it it's done almost like a, it's like a documentary length film length mm. documentary and it was just really interesting oh, one that, guy that survives for 30 tense. It, yeah there's a bit where a guy survives 38 minutes on 5 minutes of oxygen oh. and it's incredibly claustrophobic yeah uh, i my my only genuine phobia really that i'm aware of is claustrophobia i really cannot handle that so I think I would struggle to watch that to be yeah. honest. Usually but, when my wife yeah. picks a film to sit down and watch, yeah. uh that's when I turn the old Nintendo Switch on and pretend <laughs> I'm interested. Uh but yeah, it was really good. Really worth mm. a watch. Excellent. We've just uh we've just been watching Superstore. As that... I believe, you know, a, a good chunk of the, the British population has because it's just dropped on Netflix for us mm. recently. It's fine. <laughs> worth a watch. I'd say so. If you like, if you like sort of workplace sitcoms like like uh, the American Office, Parks and Rec, um, I'm trying to think of other ones uh, in that vein. It's it's kind of it's it's in that mold. It's not it's not gonna like it doesn't rewrite the rule book or anything, but it's it's watchable um, and. Uh, yeah, my my partner can blaze through American sitcoms like like nobody's business. Mm. So um, my wife's still yeah. watching The OC. She's actually downstairs watching it now. <laughs> As, uh, my my, uh, my my partner is uh, snuggled up on the sofa with little Absorbal off watching Wally for the billionth time. Ah, it's a great film. Good choice. It is a great film. But, you know, credit to the lad. He's you know he's picked a good favorite film for his. Uh, first uh, go at it um yeah the, the the robot obsession continues unabated mm. i can't remember there was something i was just going to ask you and i've just totally forgotten ah. it'll come to me oh are you, are you up to date with one division i am so far behind on one division i've seen the first three i think uh. but i haven't i just haven't had the time because as i say we we only get like an hour or so of, of an evening that we can just spend together vegging out on the sofa just got to bed later i feel like uh well yeah the the trouble is my you know i don't want to put stuff on that my partner's not gonna be able to tolerate Mm. and she has no interest in the mcu Uh. whatsoever and so even with the like the sitcom pastiche element she's just i she she sat through the first couple with me which is like nah nah not for not for me so I've been trying to find time to watch it by myself, which is easier said than done. So, uh, yeah, way behind on One Division now, um, and just having—I'm just having to dodge spoilers left and right. Mm. Um, but when when we catch up, we'll have a little chat about it. Yeah, yeah. When, why when not? I'm, when I'm caught up, uh, shall we talk about food for a bit then? Yeah, get it out of the way. Because obviously we're recording a little bit later today, so we can do what did you have for breakfast, what did you have for lunch? Mm. We'll never hit the heavy heights of last week again, the trifecta. Not not unless there's a scheduling issue like there was last week. Yeah. Um, well, let's start with you, Matt. What did you have for, for breakfast? Uh, I had a cup of coffee, mm-hmm. and I think that was it. 
I don't think I had breakfast today. Oh, most I, important meal of the day, Matt. I know, but I had a big lie in. Um, yeah, when we get to meal of the week, I'll explain why. But I had a big <laughs> lie in, uh, and just I was just in bed watching painting tutorials. Is that is that specifically miniature painting? Yeah. So if you know, if you're bored, check out the Duncan Rhodes Painting Academy. <laughs> Free plug for him. Uh, he doesn't need it. Like in the like Warhammer extended universe, he's a bit of a legend. Mm. If anyone says two thin coats, Duncan Rhodes is the name that comes to mind. I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Um. So. And then for lunch, sorry, yeah. Yeah. I just had a sausage sandwich. Mm. Keeping it simple. Yeah, my wife, usually my wife goes and looks after her horses on a Sunday, and that's when I'm free to do this. And I was kind of, again, just waiting for her to go out so we could start, but turns out someone at her workplace has got COVID and she (laughs) had to go for a test and all sorts, so Uh, she's housebound at the moment. Fair dues. Um, But I did spy some chicken Kievs on the kitchen counter, so I think I know what's for tea. Ah, exciting times. Um... I'm going to sound like a fat bastard compared to you today. Um, so, uh, for breakfast, I decided I wanted to cook something that I'd... I, I, how, are you familiar with what Americans call home fries? Mm-hmm. You yep. see, I'd heard, the, I'd heard the phrase tossed around on American media, but I'd never had context for them until I'd, I was watching some random YouTube thing the other day which featured some home fries. And I was like, oh, that's what they... I assumed it was just like, you know, chunky home-cooked chips. It's like cubed potatoes, peppers, onions, and eggs. Yeah, you can eat... There's lots of different ways to do it. Um, But yeah, you've got cubed potato with the skin on, um, onions, like it's cooked in in oil and butter, um, and it's quite heavily seasoned. So the, the one... The recipe I went with, it was like lots of salt and pepper and also smoked paprika as well. Um, oh, and it's like, oh, it just brings anything up a notch, doesn't it? Um, yeah. but yeah, and, and it's, it's, it's a common like American diner breakfast kind of thing. So I was just like, I'm just going to give that a go and have that with a fried egg. Um, so I got up early this morning to do that and, um, expectations met. Oh, it was wow. really lovely. So, uh, but I had a bit of that left over and this morning my partner and I took a little absorbable off out. We had, we had to do a few bits and bobs. We had to go to, um, we're, we're sorting out the garden at the moment. So we had to do a tip run first thing. Mm-hmm. Then we had to go to the garden center and get some bits and bobs. Excuse me. Um, and, uh, then we went for a nice little walk by the river. Um, so by the time we got back and sorted the garden out of stuff, we were absolutely starving because we'd done like, I'd, I'd done more exercise in one morning than I do in the average week. Um, so we're just like, should we just like bring dinner forwards a bit? Uh, so we've kind of had our main meal for today uh, at lunchtime. Uh, so we just whacked a pizza in the oven and I had the, 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 uh, the remaining leftover home fries with that. Oh, nice. So, yeah. 
See, you've it's... just reminded me then. Yesterday, when I was doing my jobs and I was yeah. out and about, I bumped into our friend Greg. Oh, Greg, how's Greg? Uh, well, I think he's all right, but I, I think I've forgotten how to socialise. <laughs> like, I just kind of walked up to him in the shop and was like, hello. <laughs> and, uh, and at first, I don't think he recognised me. And I was just like, yeah, how are it... you? How are things? <laughs> so Did it, did, uh, so did he, it, like... The thing is, I, I bumped it. I bumped into Greg in, uh, you know, out out. To be clear, uh, if if you hadn't already guessed this, this Greg, Greg's part of our our usual D and D group. Mm. Um, so again, he's one of those people that I never really got to know outside of D and D. Yeah. So when I bumped into him in, in the past, it's always just been like it's t- it's two very socially awkward men. Just sort of failing to have a normal person conversation because it's like, but we don't have our character sheets in front of us. How are yeah. we supposed to communicate right now? That was it. I was just like, I, re- I really miss D and D. Don't really have much else to say. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, he was well. He was well. Oh well, that's good to hear. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, one day, one day we shall roll dice together again. Um, so that brings us to meal of the week. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, I- I'll start if you like, because yeah, I've already absolutely. told you mine. Because the lunch I just had. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like I said, it's not been a particularly exciting week, but yeah, it, genuinely, it's a n- nice enough uh, frozen pizza and some leftover home fries. Uh, see, I- I've gone for a different tact with meal of the week this week. Yeah. So my meal of the week this week. Two bags of wine gums and several beers. <laughs> so during lockdown, because I'm not seeing friends as much, yeah, we we've allocated Friday night as like get together and we'll play some computer games together. Right. Okay. So we've played like Project Winter, Deep Rock Galactic, but we. We've all committed to playing Destiny 2. Right. And Friday night was raid night, so spend all week levelling up, and then we'll try and tackle the big bosses on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew I was in for a long haul, so I just got... In fact, they're still on my desk. Two bags of wine gums mm-hmm. and several beers. Now, are we talking Maynard's wine gums? Or are we, uh, uh... No... Controversially, out for... after my comments uh, in recent weeks, they're Morrison's own brand. Oh. Because this week, instead of just committing to booths, I haven't actually been to booths this week. Wow. But I think I'm right in saying I did five different supermarkets in five different days. Wow. Yeah. That's one way to do lockdown, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I did a Morrison's, a Sainsbury's, and three Tesco's. Uh, are they different Tesco's or the same one? No, three different Tesco's. Wow. <laughs> and which, which of those is coming out top? Oh, Catrick Garrison. Yeah. I've mentioned that one before. Because it's on the army base, it just stocks everything. Yeah. It, it's the best one. Fair but, dues. But because I was up all night playing computer games on Friday, um, I, I just... I don't think, well, 
I think it was more that I ate loads of sugar before I went to bed, but I had a crippling hangover yesterday, so I just didn't go. Just stayed yeah. at home. Fair dues. Fair dues. Um, any particular highlights in your beers? Um, well, for the year, I've actually passed the 50 beer mark now. Yeah, you. Th- th- it wasn't really a challenge for you, was it? 100 beers in... Uh... Yeah, but I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to see how many I can do. Because <laughs> there's going to be a point where it's going to dry up. <laughs> like, you reckon? Like, I haven't done a lot of like the big-name lagers, like mm-hmm. Foster's. Because if you buy that, you have to buy four cans. Whereas I'd, probably, speaking, yeah. I'd rather have four different cans than I can tick more beers off the list. Yeah. So there's going to reach a point where I'm going to have to like just have a week of drinking, like, you know, Carling and Carlsberg and <laughs> just, but yeah. And it comes in such volume that I don't want to drink four cans of lager. No, that I, I would, I would find uh, a four pack of Foster's to be nothing but a burden to me. Yeah. Must be said. I, I think if I was going to do that, that's going to be when I'm back at work properly and I'll maybe have one tin a night. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, in terms of highlights, the best beer on planet Earth is Innocent Gun Blood Red Sky. No argument from me. That, I've that only is, had it a couple of times, but it's my goodness. You know, I've drank a lot of like IPAs and lagers, and you know, some are slightly better than others. But that is that is a beer and a half. It's yeah, it's uh, just yeah, it's gorgeous, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely gorgeous. But yeah, currently nothing comes close to that. Um, Yeah, well, keep me posted. Um, Um, Just before we get into the Doctor Who chat then. Yeah. uh, Just whilst we're on the topic of food, really. uh, One of our most prominent, one of our best listeners, I would say, James Courtney. Yeah. As we record, is currently making some sausage rolls. Oh, good luck, James. Yeah, well, he's put a picture on Twitter, and they they look good. They're all right. Yeah. Ah, well, e- excellent. I I hope uh, hope it worked out for you, James. So going back to last week, do we have a price on your force frozen sausage rolls? Oh no, I forgot to ask. I did. I I, I completely uh, failed to follow up on that. Sorry about that, Matt. I'll try and, and get fact, that information for you next week. In fact, if people want big news from last week. Yeah. We've got an announcement, don't we? You'll have to jog my memory, Matt. I finally have your mobile phone number. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, like, during the recording, you said, oh, I'll write a note and I'll, and I'll ask you at the end of the uh, recording. Yeah. Uh, but as usual, the second we finish, we're both sick of each other and just hung up <laughs> yeah. immediately. I think I'm pretty much just went, yeah, then Clara sees the ghost of the Doctor outside the base. Right. Bye. Right. <laughs> See ya. Um, yeah, but so it was only when I was editing it that it reminded me that uh, we hadn't done followed up on that. But yes, you finally have my phone number. Yeah. Yes, you sent me a text and everything. Yeah. And... Whilst planning this week's episode, we reverted back to type and just went on Facebook Messenger. So Yeah, because it doesn't cost me any money. <laughs> it, did it cost you a message? Uh, uh, 
Did it cost you to text uh, me? Probably not. I've probably got like 500 free texts a month or something, but I never use them. I don't. Why would I ever text anyone? Yeah. Who does I that? Suppose. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, it's it's let me see, bizarre to me that, that... Sorry, go on. Other than you, the only other person I text, really. I've got loads from like Parcel Force. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's mainly my wife because I do it when I'm in the car, hands-free. I, I asked Siri to do it. Yeah, no, I don't. I, I just can't be asked for texting, and uh, even less like phoning people. Mm. I, I'm so resentful whenever my phone actually rings. I'm just like, why? Why would you do this to me? It feels like a betrayal. Yeah, no. <laughs> the only person that ever rings me is my mum. Yeah, uh, fair dues, I suppose. Um, Matt, shall we talk about uh, Doctor Who for a bit? Yeah. Before the flood. Yes. Why not? Um, so, yeah, part, part two, again, written by Toby Whithouse. Um, have you got the, the other info there? Yeah, directed by me. Daniel O'Hara. Uh, yep. It's from the 10th of October, 2015. So, ever so slightly just before my 30th birthday. Mm. And presumably, then, uh, better things to be doing than watching Doctor Who at the time. I'm pretty certain. Let me think. Either when this episode aired, or the weekend after. I remember for my 30th, I got taken out uh, for a meal by my brothers and their partners. Yeah. Uh, because I was single at the time. And it was, it, you know, where you just like a pity meal from the family. <laughs> uh, so because they were paying, I went big and had like lobster and all sorts. Ah, very nice. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, I was watching Doctor Who. You watched this on broadcast? <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. I, um, I think this was around the time where I was not necessarily watching it on broadcast, but certainly soon after purely because our current tv setup which hasn't changed for a long time now uh, we don't actually get broadcast tv mm-hmm. I, I can stream it live but basically we we, we watch everything via chromecast yeah so ours generally... is the same in the upstairs tv yeah when we tune it we manage to get like dave and channels like that but yeah. to actually get the bbc seems a real chew on yeah so we just um yeah, so so generally, I will I, I will end up watching Doctor Who if I've if it's convenient for me. What at time of broadcast, I I will like stream it live, um, via Chromecast, or I will just watch it the second it drops on iPlayer. Usually, so it would definitely be the, the, that evening that yeah. I would have watched this one. Um, so yeah, do you want to kick us off? Uh, uh, well, you know what? No, before so. Now that you have seen the conclusion, how are you rating this story as a whole? Um, I, I don't know. Like, I definitely preferred last week's episode to this week's. Did you? Right. Yeah. And Marty McLean's in agreement with me, so I feel fairly justified in that decision. Yeah. Do you want to say hello to Marty? Hi, Marty. Uh, but, yeah. 
just waited to see. One day yeah. you're going to say hello to someone and just wax lyrical about life. I know well, it. I, it. It just it feels very awkward to me to do that. Um, but anyway. you, you might have made his day by saying hello there. Well, I mean, maybe, but I've got no follow-up. If I don't have a person to talk to, it's... I, I, anyway, look, we've been over this, Matt. Right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think... I think you could ask almost any writer in existence what's easier to write, uh, a beginning or an ending, and they would all agree beginnings mm. are a lot easier to write than endings. Um, because... Be- beginning a story you're just opening up possibilities things can go in any direction um and sooner or later somewhere in the middle you've got to start kind of pulling those threads together and fingers crossed hope you're tying them into a satisfying conclusion uh which is easier said than done and i think that is something that is a bit more exposed with two parters in that the, the first half can often end up feeling like the stronger of the two. Because you've got that split down the middle, you can compare them side by side. Be like, well, looking at them in isolation, which do I prefer? Um, having said all that, I think this is still a very strong conclusion. I think it's, a, you know, compared to some of the other two-parters and certainly some of the other base under siege stories we've had in uh, New Who... This has got to be up there with the best of them. Yeah, I would say so. There's some things that I think are really, really strong and some that I think, you know, just aren't... I don't know. I don't know why I would say I prefer the first part. I just think it's maybe a little bit more traditional Doctor Who. I think this episode obviously is trying to do a lot more than usual. Yeah, it certainly gets a little, uh, to quote a phrase, timey-wimey at certain points, mm. you know. Um, which, so, uh, yeah, it d- it demands more of the viewer. Um, and also, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, ha- it lacks the sort of elegant simplicity of part one, which is just Doctor and Clara show up in a bit of a messy situation and slowly start to put the pieces of the jigsaw puzzle together. You know, there's a, there is a, a satisfying linearity to that, which this episode obviously doesn't have. Um, so I would say it's a bit more uneven, basically. Yeah. But not, not bad per se. I think it's doing everything it, it, it can do to deliver a satisfying conclusion. But uh, anyway, yeah, uh, that, do you want to kick us off and we'll just sort of go through so, it? Just before we do, how would you rate yeah. this episode? This episode in isolation or the two-parter as a whole? Uh, both. Okay, so as a whole, I'm going to say good good story. You know, both parts. I, I, I don't... Criticisms I may have of it are minor. So that to me is just straight up good story. Um, the first part just yeah just a great episode this one yeah I'm going to say good episode bad bits yeah I think I'd agree I think I'd agree but overall I think yeah it, it equips itself really well right so the episode opens 
with the Doctor talking to us. Yes, I love this opening, Matt. I, yeah, he's proper breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Just giving us a little lecture about the, the bootstrap paradox. Yeah. It's delightful. I don't know how uh, I feel about it. It was, it was a real... It's, ri- it's, it's really, jarring, isn't it? It's out of nowhere. <laughs> I'm just yeah. like, is he talking to himself? Because he really seems to be explaining this to me. Yeah, but but I, I like it. it. It's very much in keeping with what they've already established with, with the Twelfth Doctor. You know, you think about the opening to Listen, it's not many miles away from that, where he's more obviously talking to himself, but the way it's directed this time, he is looking straight down the camera. Um, and it, it also kind of fits with the kind of professorial quality that Capaldi's Doctor has. You know, he's got the blackboards and the bookshelves and, and and that whole thing. So, like, the thought of him just sort of just wandering around the TARDIS giving a lecture to nobody in particular yes. feels perfectly fine to me. Um, so, yeah, I think it's delightful. And, of course, en- ending uh, with the guitar, bringing that back again. Yeah, um, always. Always yeah, with cl- the guitar. Did you uh, clock the... Uh, the name of the amp. It was yes, uh, but no. Like it was Magpie I, Electricals. I was going to say I, I didn't clock it, but then I yeah. listened to the Married to Who episode on this, so I yeah. know its relevance. Yeah. So uh, yeah, nice, nice little callback. They keep sneaking that one in every now and then. Um, and I love that it's calling back to an episode that most people genuinely don't like. That yeah. Much. Yeah, if you can't call out the idiot's <laughs> lantern, then what can you do? But uh, yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, I love it. It just every, I, every, it immediately puts a massive grin on my face, and because it's coming like in the middle of the story as well, like makes it yeah. extra jarring. You know, we've yeah, just had. I was this, expecting this... it to just pick up and get going. <laughs> yeah, but no, we get this little sort of um, yeah. It's like having a having a, a a preface in the middle of your novel. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's great. Um, but anyway, yeah. And then did you hear the obviously the the uh, the theme tune like the the the, the riffing Be- Beethoven's Fifth that goes straight into the uh, the theme tune. We get a, a little bit of uh, electric guitar over that as well. Mm. It's quite nice. So, yeah, I'd, quite, so, I'd be quite happy to have that every week, to be honest. But. So, is is the Doctor Beethoven? Who who wrote Beethoven's Fifth? Well, he does say this is all hypothetical and it didn't happen. And he did meet Beethoven, um, and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it's one of those moments where, like, you know, the Doctor is not always a reliable narrator. You no. can't trust every every anecdote and aside that comes out say, of his mouth. So first rule: the doctor lies. Exactly. So uh, who knows? Who knows? Hmm. So we get the titles, and then we're kind of back into the story. Yes. So the doctor has taken Bennett, that is the man with glasses, yeah, and O'Donnell, the Scottish lady. Yes. And they're in 1980. Yeah. And it appears to be Russia. However, mm-hmm. it's a 
It's the Scottish military training facility that they talked about last episode. Yeah, built for, like, Cold War training. Yeah. Now, interestingly... Yeah. O'Donnell says, well, if we're in 1980, then that's before Harold Saxon. And she lists all these things. And she says, is it before the Minister of War? Yeah. And the Doctor kind of goes, oh, why? What's that? So, Mm. is that going to be the old bad wolf? Because we've already got the bloody prophecy, haven't we? Yeah, we already had the hybrid. Yeah. So, I Um, look forward to seeing the Minister of War sometime soon. mm Mm-hmm. You're not giving anything away there, are you? No. No. I thought you were going to go, oh, well, maybe. Just keep an eye out for it. So, yeah. Yeah. So, they see the spaceship. We'll we'll, we'll talk talk more about... Make make a note. We'll talk more about Minister of War, if you like, when we do our Series 9 wrap-up. Okay. So, they see the spaceship, and it's a hearse. Yeah. And they're joined by the Victorian chap from last week, but he's not really a Victorian chap, he's an undertaker. Yeah. And I didn't realise last week, but he's played by Paul Kay. Yeah. Paul Kay, um, probably best known to international listeners as playing Thoris of Mir on Game of Thrones. Mm. Uh, known to UK audiences for being Dennis Penance. Yeah. He's in um, uh, Afterlife, the Ricky Gervais series as well. Yeah, he's, he's, just, he's just a, a, a he's was one of those boys sort of like he started out very much as as a as a as a comedian and has kind of quite easily sided into just sort of more more general character actor. Isn't it isn't of. it weird? Yeah. It's like Dennis Pennis was fucking mental. Yeah. Like, Indeed. he was the first example I can think of of, like, fake journalism. Mm-hmm. You know, he would organise interviews with celebrities just to take the mick out of them. Yeah, and this is like very much very much like predates things like Ali G or anything like that, you know. Mm. Um, but he was quite clearly off his face on drugs the whole time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it, was, it was very, like... Prop, it was proper anarchic. It's the sort of thing that like would probably be ten a penny on YouTube nowadays. But back in the nineties, when he was doing it, there really wasn't anyone else, certainly in the UK, doing doing anything like that. Um, but yeah, so it is kind of interesting to to think about how his career trajectory started from that to like doing doing a lot of like very high quality drama and and, and stuff like yeah. that, but. But he is a, he is a genuinely good versatile character actor. Like he can bring the pathos when he needs to, or he can just be incredibly weird, like he is in this. You mm. know, um, and I, I think it's like it, it, it's it's interesting as well that we've you know with both Tivolians we've had so far, it's been sort of like quite well known British comedy performers, um, yeah. like. If they ever do, do an uh, and, and uh, spoiler, there's there's not been any other Tavolians in uh, Doctor Who so far, um, but like I feel like they they've now set a precedent that they would have to if they cast another Tavolian character, you know they'd have to be ringing up. Oh, who would it be? Uh, who would you cast at this point? Uh, um, Alex Horn from Taskmaster. Alex Horn would be good. Yeah, he'd be great as well. Maybe Mark Heap. Oh, Mark Heap for everything. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Genuinely, a, 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 an episode of Doctor Who where Mark Heath is the Doctor, the companion, and the master. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would go for that. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So we, 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 we get to know him. We get a little refresher on, on Tavolian culture, the fact that they just roll out the red carpet for any would-be invader. Yeah. Now, he introduces the body in the hearse as the Fisher King. Yeah. Ooh. Funnily enough, we don't see the Fisher King do any fishing, do we? We don't, no. No. It just, he's sort of I mean, on the it just seems end at the end, but... Yeah, it just seems a title without any evidence. Well, it's uh, it's it's ripped from our theory and legend, isn't it? Oh, I don't know. You would have to explain that to me. If I, you know, I said that to to make myself sound very intellectual, but uh, I can't really remember the legend of the Fisher King now. Just edit um, this bit out. Just <laughs> just just pause it when you say it's from yeah. our theory and legend, right? Cut yeah. this bit out. And then cut back in when I say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, of course it is. How silly me. We don't need to <laughs> yes, dwell I'll, on that. Okay, I'll definitely do that, Matt. Um, yep. But anyway, yeah, so he, he's he's um, a, a, a recent uh, dictator, if you like, um, of, of uh, Tivoli. And uh, he's being buried in honour with, with his traditions you know, in some faraway outpost, namely Earth. Mm. And, uh, yeah, and uh, this, this particular Tivolian is, is, is here to, to uh, see to those arrangements. Now, at this point, the ship doesn't have the message in it from last week. Nope. Nor does the Tivolian have the technology to create such messages. Nope. So, something's amiss. Yeah. So, we then cut back to Clara, who's back on the ship with Cass, who was the deaf lady, mm-hmm. and Lun, who is her sign language translator. Yeah. And they have a conversation about fear, which I thought was quite good. Yes. And the conversation stops when Cass notices that the ghost of the Doctor is saying something different to the other ghosts. And it's yeah. saying a list of their names. Yes. Okay. One which they don't recognise, which is Prentice, but we've just found out that's the name of the Undertaker. Yeah. So Clara tells the alive Doctor in 1980 of the Ghost Doctor and what's going mm-hmm. on, and he says, well, in that case, I have to die. Yeah, it seems kind inevitable. Of... If yeah, he's she's, clo- the... she's closed the loop at that point. Yeah, yeah. You know. because if Ghost Doctor really is the ghost of the Doctor, then he must die in order to come back and tell her that list of names. Mm. Yeah. And Clara has a little freak out, and it's quite clear that she's still in mourning. You know, she's mm-hmm. already suffered loss. She doesn't want to suffer anymore. Yeah. So we find out then that the Fisher King's body is missing... And Prentice sees the message for the first time. So now it is present in the ship. Yes. 
Clara tells the Doctor that Ghost Doctor has a torn sleeve. Mm -hmm. So hopefully he'll be able to use that and be able to pin a time on when it is that he dies. Once yeah. He can only die once his sleeve's been torn. Yeah, yeah. It at it, it least sets a certain sequence mm -hmm. for events. So the Ghost Doctor is able to enter the station from the water outside mm -hmm. and doesn't attack, which confuses people, but mm -hmm. it goes to open the Faraday cage to free the other ghost. Yes. And the Doctor asks Clara to speak to Ghost Doctor, and when he does, the Ghost Doctor changes its message. And we haven't seen the ghost do that yet. We haven't, no. So Clearly something's amiss. And it's able to say, the chamber will open tonight. Mm. So again, a little bit of mystery. We don't know exactly what that means. No, indeed. So so the Doctor tells Clara and the crew to get in the Faraday cage and stay there until it's safe. Yeah, so set, up, set up the phone where they can see it because it obviously won't work within the cage itself. Yeah, so there's a lot going on at the minute. Yes, yeah. You know, it's kind of weird how, how 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 there's communication between them, but like they're in. It, you've got to remember they're in two completely different sort of time periods. Mm. Whilst all this is happening, so the Doctor finds Prentice, and the Doctor now sees the writing in the ship. Yeah. And the Fisher King has escaped and is in the church. Yes. And we hear the roar of the Fisher King. Yeah. Now, do you know the trivia about the roar of the Fisher King? Um, I don't. I know who voiced the character. Go on. Uh, it's Peter Serafinovich. Peter Serafinovich did the voice of the Fisher yes. King. But yeah. somebody else actually did the roar. Of the I didn't King. know that. Who did the roar of the Fisher King? Does the name Corey Taylor mean anything to you? I don't know. Maybe. Should He's it? the lead singer of Slipknot. Ah, right. Yes. So that's why the Fisher King's able to do those like guttural heavy metal roars. That seems like a lot of effort to go to for one roar. I don't know. I think he does it a couple yeah. of times throughout. I guess. And like, yeah. once it had been pointed out to me, I think I saw it on Wikipedia. I could sort yeah. of link it together. That's a very bizarre bit of trivia. I don't know why I didn't. I hadn't heard that before, but that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Who, who do you like better, Slipknot or the Spice Girls? I'll be honest, probably the Spice Girls. Really? Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Each to their own, eh? Yeah, that that wasn't what I thought you were going to say, but I forgot how much you actually love the Spice Girls. <laughs> I think it, it's uh, it, it, it perhaps says more about how much I dislike Slipknot. I, I thought that would have been your sort of thing. Really, would you, Matt? <laughs> yeah, like the little put a mask on. It's like a little bit of pantomime, isn't it? A bit of showmanship. Yeah, no, if, if we're talking uh, bands that wear masks, I'd take the residents over Slipknot any day. What, what about Lordy? Do you remember Lordy? No, what's that? Uh, they, were 
I think they were from Finland. They won the Eurovision Song Contest because they were all dressed like monsters. Ah, yeah, I remember them. Yeah, yeah, I remember seeing They did like, uh, Hard Rock Hallelujah. The... Yeah, I don't think I ever heard the song, but uh, I don't really pay attention to Eurovision. But uh... Uh, Anyway, uh, we're on a bit of a tangent, aren't we? So, uh, yeah, we, 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 we've at least heard... We haven't heard the Fisher King speak, but we've heard him have a bit of a yeah. grumble. So O'Donnell becomes separated from the Doctor and Bennett. Yeah. And then I put, she's seemingly injured, but not killed, until she dies. Yeah, yeah. She stays alive just long enough to to die in Bennett's arms. Yeah, and to make everyone feel really sad. Yeah. So because of that, because of her death, we're able to work out that the list of names is the order in which people die. And this causes Bennett to fly off in an absolute rage because he works out the Doctor knew this and was just testing the hypothesis. So the Doctor speculated that was the case. But he had to let O'Donnell die in order to prove it. Yep. Okay. It's... Uh, um. Yeah, probably the darkest moment we've had from the Doctor this series so far. Yeah. How, I mean, how did it make you feel in that moment? Were you kind of... Well, I don't know. I, I can sort of understand that he needed her to die so he could save the others. But yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a dick move, isn't it? It is, it is. And the fact that he, you know, he didn't seem to try particularly. No. <laughs> he, he probably Sorry, wouldn't have done the same if it was Clara. No, and that's the thing. That's the that's the, kind of the point Bennett's making, because you know Clara is obviously next on the list, and uh, yeah, it also makes it clear that that he you know he's not going to let that happen to her. So, so yeah. Ghost O'Donnell then appears to Clara. Yeah. So. I, I don't get this, because... I mean, it's the bootstrap paradox, isn't it? Because technically exactly, she yeah. died in 1980, so she would never have been on that ship in the first place, but blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, she appears to Clara, and she steals the phone that is outside the cage. Yeah, dick move. So the Doctor takes the TARDIS back to the base, but it yeah. refuses. So it's still in town... Only this time it's half an hour earlier. Yeah. So I thought we were going to get a little bit of Father's Day. In this, in this story. Yeah, it definitely does bring bring back uh, memories of Father's Day. And the, the Doctor isn't specific. He's not like, no, no, do not touch your, your previous self or we'll have time dragons on our hands. But he might as well have. Yeah. So this is... Sometimes this is it's like I'm the only person in the world that remembers Father's Day. <laughs> This is certainly the closest we've ever gotten to uh, the uh, Reapers making a reappearance. So they watch the initial meeting where they met Prentice, and Bennett wants to talk to O'Donnell, but the Doctor won't let him, and they have a little bit of a scuffle, and won't you believe the Doctor's coat gets ripped a little bit. Womp womp. Yeah, we knew it was coming. we We know... You know, his time's coming. 
Yeah. So Clara works out that the ghosts won't hurt Lun because he hasn't seen the message because Cass wouldn't let him on the ship. Yeah. And then we get another, not necessarily like dark moment, but another quite emotive moment when Cass asks if travelling with the Doctor had changed Clara or whether she was always happy to risk other people. Yes. Yeah. Um, It's interesting, isn't it, that like in the same way that you had sort of Bennett calling the Doctor out, you've kind of got Cass doing the same with Clara now. It kind of links back to that idea of, you know, is Clara becoming a bit... Bit too doctory. Bit too, yeah, a bit too influenced by the Doctor. So, um, yeah, good moment. I like that moment. So the Doctor then says he must face the Fisher King, and he enters the church. Yeah. And as you've said... I'm trying to think, have we already had the moment? I think we have. We've had the scene where Clara is on the phone with the Doctor, and she, like, proper gives him an earful, saying that he's not allowed to die, and just says... You die with whoever comes after me, not with me. Which is, oh, goodness me, that's... Uh, yeah. yeah. It's not a good look for Clara, you know? No, she's clearly think... clearly struggling, isn't she? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, as you've said, the voice of the Fisher King is Pete Serafinowicz who is one of my favourite comedians. I love him. Amazing. Amazing comedian. Really underrated, I think. Yeah. Uh, look around Peter you. Ser- the Peter Serafinowicz show is just... Oh! It infuriates me to this day that he never got a second series of that. I know. I mean, if I only could, for Brian on. Butterfield. Brian Butterfield is one of the finest... Comedy creations of all time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely amazing. He, uh, yeah, if you've never checked out Peter Serafinovich, um, then yeah, look up some Brian Butterfield sketches. Look up an episode of Look Around You or two. He did it's do so uh, unique. Over Christmas, he did do a Brian. He's started a Brian Butterfield podcast. Yeah, I've seen it's out. I've not started listening to it. it it's yet. only kind of... got the one episode with Rob oh, Delaney. Right. And it's well worth a listen. If you're listening to this and you haven't heard that, I don't know what you're doing. Press pause. <laughs> Go listen to that and come back in an hour or so. Yeah. No, he, he, is, he is amazing. Uh, and, of course, in, in monster voice terms, because he, he also has he is a very versatile voice actor. You know, he's a great impressionist, and he can do like menacing voices quite well. Most famously, he's the voice of Darth Maul. Yeah. 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 So, and I, he tells an amazing. Is it Richard Herring's podcast where he um he tells the story of that experience of of doing the voice for Darth Maul? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. It is. It, yeah, and there's quite. I won't. I don't want to spoil it, but it's the way he tells it is very funny. Um, yeah, I I don't think because obviously, I mean spoilers if you haven't seen Solo. But yeah. Darth Maul's back now. Yeah. Well, I say back. Like, he's in that film, even though we thought he was dead. And he's in The Clone mm. Wars. Uh, so I think it is someone else who voices him officially now. But in right. episode one, it was Peter Serafinowicz. Yeah. But, yeah, no, great, 
Great guy. And, and it is a great voice performance that he does here. It's proper menacing. Yeah. What so about like, there's the... There's a bit uh, of vocal effect on, but not too much. It's just popped in my head. What about yeah. the episode of Spaced where they go paintballing? Oh, he's amazing in that. Yeah. He's, he's, but, you know... But then again, everyone is amazing in every episode of Spaced. There's not a... It's not really a bad performance in that show. No. No. Should we get back on track, or should we just talk I about... I think we probably better have. For a while? Yeah. Right. So, the Fisher King obviously wants more ghosts because they are his, like, transmitters. Yes. So, back on the base, Clara, Cass, and Lun have worked out, because Lun's never seen the message, the ghosts won't harm him because he can't transmit the message. He's never seen it. There's no point in killing him. So, he approaches the ghosts who just let him pass. So they've worked out they've got him now as a tool to work his way through the base um, so they can stay safely. So Clara and Kath, sorry, can stay safely in the Faraday cage mm-hmm. and Lun is able to work his way through the base to try and get the phone back so they can communicate with the Doctor. Yeah. So the Fisher King reveals his plan, which is to drain the oceans... And enslave humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't say why. Stuff. Why is he draining the oceans? I think I feel like that was more of a figurative thing, just like we're gonna fuck your planet up. Unless maybe just, you know, the his his species need dry conditions. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um but anyway, he, he's just he's not much yeah. of a fisher or a fisherman no. if he doesn't want the seas. There is that, yeah. Okay. So, Lun finally reaches the phone, but then the ghosts lock him in. It's like the canteen room, isn't it? Yes. So, Cass and Clara go after him. Mm-hmm. And then, in my notes, I've put... Because I think this is the first time we see the Fisher King all revealed. And I've just said, yeah. he looks amazing. Yeah. It's an incredible... Uh, I like it when Doctor Who does scary monsters, not just like tin pot robots. Yeah. I think you need both, but um, yeah, no, this is, this is like full on HR Geiger level alien horror. Yeah. Yeah. I think if I was a kid, I'd have been scared by this. Yeah. I mean, because the thing is Capaldi, he's not, he's, he's skinny, but he's not a, a short man, but compared to the fish king, he just looks tiny, doesn't he? Um, and I like yeah. there's I don't want to say that they they look similar, but it's got the sort of vacant eye sockets that the ghosts have as well. Yeah, yeah. There's just yeah, it all it all feels very much of a piece. Um, so yeah, great great work on the design on the Fisher King. So. We're then back with Clara and Cass, who've become separated. And Cass is being hunted by Moran. Yeah. He's got, like, an axe. And then I've put the Doctor shouts at the Fisher King for a bit. Mm Mm-hmm. And then initially I've put... He tries to do the sort of the the moral high ground bit. And, uh, yeah, it's just... It's not working on this guy. (laughs) 
initially I've put that there is a good use of silence with Cass. So I like yeah. it where it cuts back and forth between her and Moran, where he's dragging the axe, but then yeah. when the camera's on her, you can't hear it. Yeah, so you, you're getting but, her perception. But it turns out she's just deaf daredevil. Well, yeah, I, 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 I like the way it's executed in this. I don't think they're implying she's got some kind of superpowers or anything. She's in an already tense situation. Um, everyone has that thing of being able to kind of sense a bit when somebody is behind you. You know, even if you've got headphones on or something, you'll get that that kind of vague sense of just there's some kind of movement going on behind you. Um, and so you we like, you know, we see her looking over her shoulder warily at one point. Um, and then she just takes a moment to stop and just feel the ground and feel for vibrations, which is presumably something she will do occasionally. Um, you know, because you do you work with the senses you've got. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't I don't think it's genuinely kind of implying that she's some kind of, like, magical super person because she's got the, the brains to, to take a moment and check for any, like, untoward vibrations in her surroundings. And, uh, yeah, I quite like the sort of effect where it sort of cuts to... There is a name for that kind of effect, and I can't think what it is, but where it's all kind of like black and white and and grainy and in a particular way. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I like that moment. So we then are back with Clara, who joins with Cass to free Lun. Yeah. And at this point, the Fisher King leaves the church. But we find out that the missing fuel cell from the spaceship that has been missing all along is now missing from his spaceship. And the reason is Uh the doctor had removed it back in 1980 to blow Mm -hmm. up the dam. So it turns out that the doctor was the one that caused the flood in the town. Yep. And when the suspended animation cell opens with present-day Clara, or... Well, I say present day, it's shortly in the future, isn't it? Yes. All along, it had contained the Doctor, who'd been in there since 1980. <laughs> and he's now back on the base. Yeah. And his, right. and I just love that he just immediately leaps out and <laughs> just says, don't kiss me, morning breath. It's like... <laughs> yeah. And the TARDIS, because he'd sent Bennett back to the TARDIS before he did uh-huh. all this, enters emergency mode. So the Doctor's back on the base, so is Bennett, so is the TARDIS. Everything's just going tickety-boo. Yeah. Because it turned out, all along, Ghost Doctor was just a hologram. Just like Clara was last episode. I don't there you know go. how you I did You complaining that they didn't set the hologram up properly. How yeah. do you feel about it now? The, the, the Clara hologram was set up for this hologram. Just turned out it's all holograms all the way through. <laughs> oh yeah, did you not know everyone in this series is a hologram? Yeah, I mean it just <laughs> felt like a little bit of a cheap way out, but you know, everything's a hologram. 
Yeah. Uh, so it turns out the ghosts were electromagnetic projections mm-hmm. all along. And basically, units going to come, take them away, and shoot them into space. So that's the end of yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, we find out that... Oh, think of, Again, like what kind of admin do you think is involved in that? Yeah, imagine my friend <laughs> Peter at unit. Yeah. Just turns up and it's like, stacks oh, of paperwork. We've got some uh, Scottish ghosts in the future, if you want to go clean that yeah. up for us, please, Peter. And he's just like, oh, man, I've got to print all the forms. Um, I've been saying for ages, guys, can we not... I I, I know it's less, you know, you're worried about security, but, you know, cloud technology exists now. Can we not do everything on paper? Um, Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, it's just just all holograms, isn't it? (laughs) So we find out that yes. Bennett was in love with O'Donnell and Clara sympathises. She sees that look mm-hmm. of loss on his face and it's a look that yeah. she knows all too well. Yeah. And Bennett says to Lerno, oh, can you translate something to Cass for me, please? Can you tell yeah. her that you're in love with her before it's too late? Because you don't want to miss out like I did. So he does. And I think Cass... that's a really... Yeah, sorry, go on. Cass gives him a big old smooch. Yeah, it's a lovely scene, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Except when he finds out that Cass was a hologram the whole time. (laughs) He's just smooching hot air. Yeah. But again, this is what I'm talking about when I say that, like, this... This base under siege story really actually goes the extra mile in giving these people their own hopes and wants and fears and needs and... And, and fleshing them out, they're not just people to get bumped off and, you know, uh, push buttons. Mm. You know, they, they feel like real people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a nice happy ending, too. It is indeed, yeah. So the Doctor says that he programmed the hologram when it was giving the list of names to intentionally tell him that Clara would die next... Because then that forces him to act. Yes. And the episode ends there with the Doctor talking to the screen again. You know, who did write Beethoven's Fifth? Yeah, just a good old bootstrap paradox. There you go. Yeah. It's not the the first time uh, Doctor Who's done a bootstrap paradox. Probably won't be the last. No. Um... Like quite famously, um, Blink, the, the 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 transcript of the conversation between the Doctor and um, is that the timey wimey video bit? Yeah, yeah. Because do you remember when they're in the we're in the house and like uh, the guy, what well, I forget his name now, is is writing down everything Sally and the Doctor say to each other, but the Doctor only knows. What to what say? To say because, because it's already been said. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah. I quite. I don't know. I quite like this episode. It's a good one. It's just. It's. It's really solid. Like some people would accuse it of being so-called filler. You know, I feel like that's not a term that really is applicable to Doctor Who because, you know, it's not a. It's not a serialized show in that way it's not trying to tell one continuous story um 
and so yeah, I think it I think it does a good job of giving you a satisfying interesting story in its own right with a really interesting setting as well. I don't think we talked enough about I love the look of the uh the abandoned you know mock soviet town. Um it has a really eerie quality to it with its you know smashed out windows and grim red brick buildings and uh and like you know soviet propaganda posters and things like See, that what what i was going to say about this episode is yeah the next time we do a base under siege yeah like i, I don't know if i would use i don't know if this is strong enough that in my mind it becomes the comparison point if we do another base under siege am i just going to talk about impossible planet again ah well there you go that's the thing because i was gonna say that's the other one isn't it that's the other one that really yeah like i is, think is this strong enough to become the point of reference now i i feel like it is i i kind of refer to both of them they are my metric equally because i think they do that whilst they're both really good and good examples of the form if you like they they have very different approaches to it in a lot of ways they don't feel that similar to one another. No, um, no. Not in the way that... Was it 42? Yeah, 42 just is just a like... straight rip-off. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, so, yeah. I, I, I think it depends. Like, it, it, based on the Siege, it's, it sounds like a limiting type of story to do. But... So much of it depends on the setting. What kind of a base? Where? When? What were people doing on there? What is besieging it? How? How is that manifesting it? You know, the fact that it's ghosts, you know, in inverted commas, but like that gives it... So it's kind of like a weird hybrid of almost like a haunted house quality mm. in a way. You know, it, it, it's not your, your, your stereotypical just some monsters chasing people down corridors. Even though, <laughs> to a certain extent, there's a it lot is. of monsters, monsters chasing, chasing people, down. people down corridors. Yeah, so it, I, I think it's a it's a it's a great addition to the to the Doctor Who canon, if you like. Um, I really do enjoy it, and it's one it's one that I would very much put in the realm of comfort viewing. Like if I just wanted a good Doctor Who story that I could just chuck on without feeling the need to like watch a whole series, mm-hmm. this is quite a good one to go to. I think. Um, but yeah, I think that'll about do it for, uh, Under the Lake and, uh, Before the Flood. Join us next week when we will be discussing The Girl Who Died. The Girl Who Died? The Girl Who Died. That's next week's episode. Better not be ghosts again. If it's ghosts that are just secretly holograms, (laughs) then I'm within my right to turn it off. Uh, What if... It's a hologram ghost of a Frankenstein. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, you'd be on board for that. Yeah, 100%. Okay, well, fingers crossed then for <laughs> uh, Frankenstein uh, ghost holograms. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but until then, thank you very much for listening, everyone, and cheerio. Goodbye now. Thank you for listening to Neither the Time Nor the Space. 
If you wish to contact us, our email address is timenorspacepod at gmail.com and on Twitter we are at timenorspacepod. And thank you to Alexander Urban for his smashing arrangement of the Doctor Who theme.